Welcome to the Order in Progress podcast, where we explore topics related to personal growth, health, wellness, and combat sports. I'm your host, Will Safford, and today we have a renowned expert in club bells and rotational training, Mark Wildman. Mark has been revolutionizing the way athletes and martial artists enhance their performance by looking to ancient movement methods humans have used for thousands of years. And today, he's here to share his insights with us. In this episode, we're going to explore the unique benefits of club bell training, a tool that has been gaining popularity amongst those looking to improve their strength, mobility, and injury resilience. And Mark will also guide us through the importance of rotational training, a critical aspect for anyone involved in combat sports, especially jujitsu. We'll discuss how these training methodologies can be integrated into your routine, not only to boost your physical performance, but also to extend your time on the mats. Whether you're a seasoned jujitsu competitor, a fitness enthusiast looking for an edge, or simply curious about innovative training methods, this conversation with Mark is bound to offer valuable insights. So tune in as we uncover the secrets to enhancing your performance, resilience, and overall well-being through the art of club bells and rotational training. But before that, head over to train.seekprogress.com slash clubs dash free for a free intro to clubs program that Mark and I created. Again, it's train.seekprogress.com slash clubs dash free. And as always, you can find us at seekprogress.com where you can sign up for the Saturday newsletter and join thousands of grapplers who get weekly info on jujitsu resilience, performance, and longevity. With that, let's welcome Mark Wildman once again to the Order and Progress podcast. Mark, thank you for being with us. Thank you, sir, for having me yet again on your lovely podcast. That's right. Two-time guest. You've been busy in the last couple of years since the last podcast we had. When was the last time we had a podcast? I think it was 20, so it was early 2022. Really? It was about 18 months ago. Where, where were we at? What did, I don't remember. We were- Did we do that? Is that in Long Island? No, so you were in LA. I was in LA. Yeah, I was, I was at home on Long Island. Oh, we did it by remote. Yeah, we did a remote one. Ah, okay. Yeah. And All here right. we are at the Art Asylum in East LA. This is an 8,000 square foot warehouse compound adult playground. <laughs> Yes. Uh, what is this thing? So this is the Art Asylum. This is three guys getting together. Me, Wildman Athletica, Zach Knight of Knight FX, a special effects guy, plus uh, pyrotechnician in Wes Fenton of Badland Outfitters. And he builds, he is used to be a welder for the Navy, building battleships, and he likes to make Mad Max off-road race cars. The whole point of this place is we want to do awesome stuff. So we have circus rigging in here. We're going to have rigging for stunt guys to do pick poles and everything else so people can come in and choreograph fight scenes for fun because that's awesome. So you yeah. have to have a place to do awesome stuff. So you got to do this. Yeah. No, this place is absolutely awesome. I've been hanging out here for the last couple of days and it's 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 inspiring and it's it's just straight up awesome, man. You guys, so the thing that actually makes this place work is that you guys are first all crazy. Second, you have, you all have this skill set. 
So like Zach, who you were mentioning, I mean, the guy literally knows everything about everything, engineering, architecture, construction, electricity. I've seen him for this car back here. It's like, it is James Bond Q level stuff. Yes. Solving of problems, it's absolutely bonkers. So, you know, I'm really excited to see what you guys produce here. I mean, this is really just the first few months of you guys being here and there's already some awesome stuff going on, but let's talk about, um, about you. And so the last podcast that we did, it was, we really talked about clubs and I just want to say, you know, first, thank you for introducing me to them because they exposed a part of movement. I'd been a coach at that point for like 10 years when you introduced them to me that I had been completely neglecting and missing. And now I'm just absolutely obsessed with everything rotational and the throwing patterns that clubs kind of, you know, train. So, but one thing is that it really does take a while, right? I've been training with clubs for like two years now. Talk, tell, tell us about like the learning curve of, you know, getting into clubs. The learning curve is I have a very, very specific mathematical formula for how to get people to adapt to clubs. The thing that people don't realize about club swinging is it's not like bench pressing. Mm -hmm. You don't just add a little bit of weight every day because you, every joint in your body rotates all of them. Yes. And the longer the lever and the heavier the weight, you're not just going up in weight from a 15 to a 25 to a 25 pound club linearly. It right. is not weigh 10 pounds. As you swing it, the physics of the lever changes at different points in the movement. Mm. It only weighs an extra 10 pounds straight down in a catch when you are stable. Anytime the club is accelerating or decelerating, there is torsion, there is traction, everything is triplanar movement. Right. It is exponentially more difficult at different phases of the movement. And the better you get, the better you get at controlling these things. People have to adapt to the rotation aspect in their tendons and their ligaments, mm. which is not something most people in the modern world have. Most people lift in straight lines. They go yeah. to the gym and they do a leg press. But those you're adaptations not... is what's going to make you more resilient. And I if mean, you if wanted to be Batman, if you want to do jujitsu, yeah. you want to be a circus performer, you want to be Batman, there is no better way to prepare your body for loaded stress. I always compare jujitsu to a man your size or bigger intentionally trying to rip your spine in half, <laughs> right? Yes. And so the way that you do that is by preparing your body with torsion and traction in all these known positions, yes. the same positions you will be in, and then creating a mathematical program where you start light and you build heavy. It is a multi-year strategy. Yeah. It is not a six-week program. You are not going to be at the 45-pound club, which is a heavy club, in six months. Right. It's not going to happen. You will rip yourself in half. Something in your body is weak. Yeah. In clubs, I usually think of it, if you really wanted to do it the right way, you would spend about a year per five pound increment. Wow. Right? Yeah. If you have a super good program, then you can spend really about six months at a five weight increment. Mm. So think 15 to 20. So that's one increment. So 15, six months, 26 months, that's a year, 25, six months, 30, that's a year. 35, 40, 45, 50. You're looking at about a four years to get from the 15 to the 50, which right. I think everybody should do. 
and you're still getting all of like, I mean, that's pretty awesome. Like think about that progression. You're getting benefits that entire four, you're just progressing that entire four years. Every day you're getting better for four years. And the point of the long time frame, long time frame, short for Olympic lifting, long for what people think because mm. everybody's been sold some six week program. Yeah. It is permanent adaptation. It is impossible to forget. Right. Yeah, I would say also there really is like a time period where you start to really get comfortable with the club. And everybody is gonna have a wonky side where you're just gonna rotate differently than the other side. And it, I mean, I'm still working on that where I still feel a little bit different when I rotate to my left than I rotate to my right. And every time you add five pounds to the lever, you will find a slight difference. It gets exposed. It yeah. gets exposed. Right. So whatever you could get away with without noticing at a lighter weight, right. every time you go up that five pounds and you run the pure science programs again with all of the movement patterns, you will find something that doesn't work. Yeah. So there is like, there is this learning curve that you need to do with the, with the lighter weights, right? And then for me, it really took like, I would say a year to get comfortable, like manipulating a club, right? Yes. Holding a club, not hitting and yourself that was in your the 15 and yeah, your exactly. 20 pound club. Exactly. And then afterwards, you know, now I'm two years beyond two years of swinging a club. I'm really like, I'm getting up to the 25 to 30 and I'm like, fuck yeah. Like I'm feeling this now, like. So now you're going to start doing that thing where you create weird kinetic chain power. I call them like whip snaps where you get up. Like I'm doing like an 80 right now. Yeah, I wanted to talk about the 80 for the club. So you, there's, <laughs> you cannot do it like the 15. The movement looks the same. Right. The same way an Olympic lifter who's doing a 100 pound snatch is doing the same thing as a 400 pound lifter. Yeah. Somebody who's lifting a 400 pound snatch. Right. The movement is the same, but they are not the same. Right. They are different. Yeah. The differences with clubs, everything is a kinetic chain snap, yes. ankle, knee, hip, spine. Yeah, and you start to see rib cage, which is something that you hear in Asian martial arts, but people in the modern world don't talk about it. You start to get all these expansions and contractions of the rib cage to create power. Yes. Tai Chi, Bagua, Jing Yi. Yes. I mean, the rib cage, let's talk about that for a second, because that is also another area that I never really considered. When I, when I was training for the last 10 years, I was doing very linear, typical strength, squat, bench, deadlift, that type of stuff, right? The club really integrated everything. It brought it all together for me and exposed these areas where I didn't even realize that I was weak. And one of the areas is how well your torso, right, turns and, and also exposing the different parts of your core. People really think the rectus abdominis, right? But the obliques are so important for athleticism, jujitsu. That is all your rotational muscle is the oblique, all right? Then you have the serratus, which plays a massive impact on your the function of your ribcage. The, the serratus actually helps keep your ribcage down. Yeah. So you get that with the, I feel it more so with the one-handed, the single club. Yeah, that so there's connection. two different tracks in club swinging. Mm -hmm. There's the two-handed track, which focuses on global movement, a lunge pattern, a squat pattern, a press pattern, a get-up pattern, an inside circle, and side clean pattern, which you don't get 
like almost anywhere else, but which is absolutely key. Is that the pendulum? That's the pendulum. Man, that it's is a side absolute clean. favorite movement. Where else is it in training? But it's in every martial art. It's in every sport. And then the single arm track is more dedicated specifically to building the pure throwing pattern. Mm -hmm. So it starts with inside circle, outside circle, shield cast, expanding, contracting the rib cage. Right. And it builds towards the mill, the reverse mill, which are your throwing pattern, but now you're doing it equally well both sides, mm -hmm. and your reverse mill, which is a common, the most common, I think, fight pattern with yeah. weapons. So think of one as throwing something to hit something and think of the other one as a machete slash. Or but they are block. equal and opposite. Yeah, you use them and it's in every martial art because instead of being cross body, it's lead side. So every martial art where your body is bladed with one hand out in front, I use sword fighting as that example Yeah, because you're getting way away. So think of the mill as a cross in boxing and think of the reverse mill, the outside mill, as a jab in boxing. Mm -hmm. One goes across, one is the same side hip. Right. So they are two separate movement chains in the body. So think single arm club, mill cross, or jab cross, and think two hand club. Think of it like, I always call it Neolithic Olympic lifting. Okay. It is, you get bigger clubs and you work on all the basic things but all the basic things that you would do in the gym all turn into a rotation and they now all have an inside and an outside. The, when I started, so I, I strictly did single club stuff for the first year of getting into clubs. Yeah. And it was actually probably more like 18 months, like almost a year and a half. And then I started playing with the single club. And what the thing that I noticed that was an immediate benefit to someone who's been doing jujitsu for 13 years is the effect it had on my elbows. Oh my God, yeah. Dude, if you are doing jujitsu, do you have an elbow problem? I guarantee you. Ever because you're, you're ripping each other's elbows in half all day. That's literally the point of jujitsu. You're attacking the elbow joint, right? Yeah. A number one with, you know, all sorts of arm locks, but you're constantly gripping, yes. right? And if you, this is, I think, one of the biggest reasons why jujitsu guys have elbow problems is because they're stuck in this flex position all yes. the time and no one does anything to extend, right? When you, I noticed that when you do the, any type of mill or lateral, like the club is going to your side, there's the, this traction that happens, yes. right? And it's creating space in your elbow joint and it's kind of stretching out all these ligaments that have been compressed over years and years of gripping. Yes. So there's, there's that. The other thing that I noticed was that the, this area below your, right, like above your elbow, oh, yeah. bottom of your <laughs> tricep, dude, this thing gets beefy. Yeah, mine is huge. This mine thing sticks just out of like my body. Completely just like fortified from, from holding that order position right there, right? Yeah. I just, and it's hard to hit that, you know? And like, I don't even know what other exercise really does it. It's like, you know, skull crushers. But that's not real. I don't think of it as real. I right. think of everything in clubs, I can directly point to an athletic movement, yeah. whether in martial arts or almost any sport where I can go, there it is. Right. Whereas just a tricep isolation exercise is just that. Right. It's an isolation exercise, yeah. which is cool. I'm just too old. I don't have time to do a bunch of isolation exercises and then try to integrate them. Yes. The problem with that is, 
somebody always really likes doing bicep curls. So their bicep is super strong, yes. but then they don't fully extend their joint, then their joint is weak in that position. If you do clubs, you go up in weight, everything is equally strong. Everything in the body that's connected to the club, you're holding it in your hand, your wrist, your elbow, your shoulder, your spine, your hip, your knee, your ankle are all equally yes. strong. Yes. There is, there's, we're trying to, it, it removes the weak points in the kinetic chain that other people might yeah. develop in it's some ways. It's all completely integrated. Yeah, so, I mean, who wouldn't want, if you're doing jujitsu, who would not want, like, strong, fortified elbows? It's almost, to me, like, you know, everyone's doing knees over toes, where they're just, that's your weak point, is your knees. Yeah. So this guy came up with a system to just, like, completely, like, make your knees very resilient. Yeah. And the clubs do that for the elbows. And so, the wrist and the shoulder. Yeah, it's, it's a total body integration. And honestly, man, it's just really changed my life. So I'm just like trying to get absolutely everyone I can into swinging clubs because it's, it's, it's also what you mentioned earlier about you don't have time for all this other stuff. Yeah, I got work to do. I got to build a building and, I, you know, I got to go build a car or a tank or something or flamethrower. <laughs> yeah. I've got to, I need to do my workout and it needs to be 30 minutes. Yeah. I'm going to walk outside. I'm going to stand in front of a harpoon truck. I'm going to work out in the sun for 30 minutes. I'm going to set it aside. I'm going to hose off and I'm going to go to work. I do not have time to drive to a gym, mm -hmm. fight people for a bench, yes. do a bunch of stuff, be there for two hours. I always look at going to the gym as being like a rich man's thing. Mm -hmm. If I'm going to spend time, I'm going to go to a martial arts gym, mm -hmm. but I'm going to do my workout in the morning. And then I'm going to spend that travel time and that gym time learning a real thing. Yeah. And it also, it gives you so many qualities that you need in just one movement. So like if you start, let's take the, the shield cast, for example, right? That is giving you mobility, shoulder and thoracic mobility in one, but it's also strengthening all of that stuff at the same time. Yeah. Right. So it's like, it could be your warm up, It could be your corrective exercise. It could be your strength exercise. It could be your workout in itself. So it's just very efficient. It's an efficient use of your time. If you took any program, any gym program, and you added mace or heavy club 360s, the shield cast, two names for the exact same thing. Okay. Mace guys call it 360, club guys call it shield cast. Same exact movement. If you took any program, it could be deadlift, back squat, bench. And if you added 360 to it, everything would get light years better. Mm -hmm. Your pain level would go down. It's prehab for your shoulders. Mm -hmm. Your spine is doing exactly what your spine is supposed to do. I know people argue that like your spine is supposed to back squat for some reason, but I don't think so. Having been a farmer my whole life, I've never back squatted anything. I've mm. front squatted a shit ton of stuff, mm. right? In wrestling, I don't back squat, but you pick people up in a barrel and you chuck them over your shoulder. But a 360 or a shield cast will make all of that better. Yes. All of it. Let's talk about the 80 pound club. Ah, my baby. <laughs> this thing is insane. Yeah. I mean, like think of, I mean, like an 80 pound dumbbell in itself is just like crazy to pick up and try to manipulate. This is now a long cylinder, an 80 pound long cylinder that you are rotating with. Yeah. Now we were talking about like, okay, you can go front squat, you know, 315, yeah. right? And that would be phenomenal. 
But if you can front squat an 80 pound club, it's a different type of strength. There is no way out no of uh, a club squat. And so I've been chasing the 80 for years and nobody made them for a long time. Mm. So now there's two companies making them. 8X is making one and Great Lakes Jira is making one. Yeah. So the Great Lakes Jira ones are fixed weights. They're just giant chunks of unmoving iron that will be here for 10,000 years. Society will fall apart. This whole city will burn down and return to a forest. And in a thousand years, 10,000 years, you will dig that thing out of the ground and it will be recognizable as a club or a really heavy cylinder. And then the 8X one is an adjustable one. So adjustable 80 pounder. Yeah. So think about now you don't have to buy the shipping for every different weight, mm. right? You're getting more weights for less shipping money because shipping an 80 pound chunk of iron is expensive no matter where you're at sure. in the world. So I want the 80 because there's a famous wrestler named the Great Gamma, and you hear about this in club circles all the time, and he had an 80-pound club, and the myth is, is that he did 1,000 360s a day. Wow. And then he wrestled all day, yeah. right? And he was this monster guy, and people still talk about him today. So the 360, an alt 360, is called a Gamma Cast, and it's named for this one guy. Got it. Right? So I've wanted an 80 my whole life, and I've been trying to get one for like 10 years, because they only made up to 45 pound clubs for like 15 years. Mm. And then, so I was custom making my own clubs and I made a 50, a 55 and a 60, but each one of those clubs cost me like 750 bucks. Yeah, Zach made them in his shop. We just went out one day and nobody would make it. And we were like, well, this is stupid. We're gonna solve this problem ourselves. Yeah. So we went out and just made them, but they cost a fortune. So it wasn't really practical to keep doing it at that cost price point because I was going to spend $7,000 making custom clubs and I thought it was a little ridiculous. So a couple, of, I've been trying to get 8X to make one now for years. It's now out and Great Lakes Jira is making them, but they're making the fixed weights. So the fixed weight math to survive it is different. Think of it like hard style kettlebell math versus what I like to call the perfect math on the 8X side. Yeah. So the 80 is, you go back to the pure basics. It's a swing, a squat, and a push, right? Yeah. But it's the push is a shield cast. Gotcha. It is the gamma movement. It is the movement that defines humanity. So I'm at the 80 now, and I have a whole mathematical progression planned out, but now I want the 100. I, mean, I want 106 pounds. I want 48K. That, I mean, well, that would be insane, but for like, so... Me picking it up the other day, I was like, I am so extremely far away from ever even like, I should not be touching this right now. Oh yeah, I know. You'll you rip know? your spine straight out. You'll so just, like, you'll cripple yourself. The, the ADEX one sounds more appealing to me because it's like, all right, maybe you can start with a 50. Like maybe I could do a shield cast with a 50 right now. And some of the basic stuff, like a swing and a squat. Yeah. Well, the whole, the whole point of the ADEX is that we can go up in 1.25 pound increments right. from 15 to 50 pounds. Yeah. Right. And yeah. then eventually it's going to be 1.25 pound increments from 15 to 80. Yeah. And now it's impossible to fail if you do an actual program. One of the uh, things that I've seen online about, I, I feel like rotation is, is starting to get its day in like the greater like fitness community. 
right? So I recently wrote an article about the the five or the not the five, but the primary human movement patterns, right? And you will see how many coaches just completely leave out rotation from those. I can't believe it. Throwing is the thing that defines humanity, right? Yeah. Like this is the defining action of humanity. Which is actually just an exaggerated form of walking. Yes. It's, it's the same exact pattern, but it's just exaggerated now. And that's literally what we evolved to do. But us being able to throw a 90 mile per hour fastball, it was a rock and it was a bird. You know, we're the and only animal that can do that. Yeah, I know. And nobody talks about this. We're the only species that can actually throw 100 miles an hour with precision. No one else can do nobody that. Nobody can do that. And that's why we are the dominant species. Yes. There are a lot of cows who can pull heavy objects. Horses can pull heavy objects. A lot of other stuff will drag shit. Good, basic human thing. But dragging sleds is only part of the equation. You have to be able to drag shit, lift and carry, run, jump, balance, jump with the assistance of your hands, right? Climb, and now let's add throwing on top of every one of those. You need to be able to throw standing. You should be able to throw walking. You should be able to throw running. This is something that you hear about in early American history. Yeah during like the French Indian War that the like the Shawnee Braves could run at a dead sprint and throw and hit a moving target with a tomahawk. Sure. That's the best example I've ever heard of, but there are obviously no cameras back then, but you know it happened because they wrote it down so much. Yeah. So think- or, or what about riding a horse and being able to do that? So now that you're back to another version of standing, but now you're standing on something that's actively moving right. and throwing. Right. So I, this is what I want to bring back. So I want to make products that are specifically designed for throwing mm. and create entire throwing programs, but not based on baseballs or balls, but take it back to throwing clubs. Yeah. We were talking this morning about rungas, yeah, yeah. like African throwing clubs. Yeah. And I want to make those and you buy 10 of them and every day you go out and you throw 10 yeah. and then you throw the other side and then you start doing an evolved program of walking and throwing and hitting targets. And then eventually, so we can get back to running yes. and throwing and just let's go back to doing what humans are really supposed to do. Yeah. And I mean, it's also freaking fun. It's right? fun. So it's like, it makes training a lot of fun. You're getting all of the, so we're not, you're not saying don't squat and don't deadlift. No, I right? love squatting and deadlifting. I'm just never in my life, even being a Hollywood trainer and working with A-list actors had consistent access to an Olympic lifting platform. Never once. Yeah. If you're working on a movie, you're moving every day. What I will do is a club version of that program, a kettlebell version of that program, or a sandbag version of that program. Got it. I was working on at Warner Brothers Studios, Leafston Studios outside of London. We were there for like a year. So I bought a bunch of round sandbags at like a Scottish strongman competition and drug them back to the studio and went over to the prop building shop and just had them fill them up with sand. And we just had like a 50 or 100. And so we're still doing our squat program, but there's no platform. And if we need to, we drag the sandbags directly over to the door of the studio at, or the stage, as you call it part of the studio and you would walk right out and every time you came in and out, you go in and out of that door 50 times a day, we would just pick up sandbags or whatever. Yeah. There was a security guy and he was 
he was like, oh, this is awesome. So he brought these giant kettlebells, like bulldog kettlebells, like 44s. And every time we'd go in and out of the door, we would do a set of swings, high five and go to the stage, do a shot, come back out, do a set of swings, yeah. pick something up heavy, drop it right there. Picking heavy, heavy shit up is, is important. Yeah. But when you can, but Olympic lifting platforms are not common, not common. Right. And barbells, right. Hard to transfer, hard to, hard to find. You got to fight for, like you're saying, you got to fight for them at the gym. So, and all of this rotational stuff that you're doing with the club is, in my opinion, it is setting you up for, it, it's it's helping all of that heavy lifting stuff that you're doing. It's going to integrate you like we talked about, but it's also, in my opinion, going to help with longevity. Yes. It's going to help you sustain your health and fitness for a long time because now you're not just compressing the body. Yes. You are actually expressing it the way that it is supposed to be expressed, which is these throwing and running and patterns that we're talking about. I've, I always look at the classic vitality-based martial arts, and it's Bagua, Jingyi, and Tai Chi. Tai Chi yeah. And what are they? They are all, all rotation. Change foot position, a, f a fancy walking position, some type of rotation. Yes. It only, only a couple people really understand what those movements meant, but they are, if you know what they mean, they are, actually are jujitsu. Hmm. They actually are. It's called Xiao Zhao, Beijing wrestling. Those right. movements are all in a form of wrestling for 500 years ago. People forgot what those movements were for, but people were like, if I practice this free of load, then I will maintain my health and fitness. Yes. And they've been talking about this for 5,000 years or something in China. And they're referred to as like the Taoist immortals. Yes. So these ideas are well known, but we have in the West have forgotten them. Yes. And we just put it back in. And second you add in loaded rotation, heavy clubs, maces, yeah. et cetera, suddenly all the benefits start coming You're getting back. all that stuff. You can do the Olympic lifting. Yeah. Just add just the clubs. Add that, just right. add the clubs and twice a week. So some of these coaches that I see online are talking about how, oh yeah, I love rotation, but the problem is that you just can't load it. And they're they they are so in their mind, they're thinking that rotation is all medicine balls. Yeah, it's like, but it's like, not a lever. You've missed it. Exactly, you missed it entirely. Right. And we just talked, you know, for twenty minutes about different types of clubs now that will get you up to eighty pounds if you could do like an inside outside circle with an 80 pound club. Yeah, do a mill prep, an inside circle to a shield cast. So that's what I'm doing. So my strategy right now is I had a 60, so I got a 70 from Great Lakes Jira, and I just got an 80, but I had built up to 10 sets of 12 shield cast and shield cast squat okay. with the 70. So I know I'm prepared to survive the 80. Okay. So now we're kind of doing barbell math where now I've done 12 reps. So now I'm pretty sure I'm gonna survive because of the jump in weight. I'm gonna survive three reps with the 80. So then that's gonna build up to like 10 sets of 15, right? And then I'm gonna get the 88 and then we're gonna repeat it and I'm gonna walk my way up. But this is, you really need to have 100,000 reps of yeah. shield cast before yeah. you try this. But I mean, think about this. Now, if you got, if you were a jujitsu fighter or a wrestler or an MMA fighter, some kind of combat sports martial artist, and you were able to th swing around an 80 pound club, think of what you could do with the human being. 
Well, you're certainly your joint integrity is pretty good. You, yeah, you would be un, unbreakable. And in these positions that you're going to experience when you're doing jujitsu yeah. or wrestling or anything like that, you're twisted, you are rotated, and you are trying to twist and rotate another body. So it's like, but then we go into the weight room and we do squats. And we're like, oh, yeah, I can do 315. I can deadlift 500. You know, so. My question is, is what happens when somebody grabs you from the side and puts their foot in your hip and tries to rip your spine sideways? You know, so like I love barbell guys. A lot of my friends are barbell guys. They love it. Right. But I much prefer swinging heavy things because, frankly, I'm not a very good martial artist, so I need every advantage I can get. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of guys who are a million times better than me and more technical right. than me, but I don't have time to always be going to class yes. I travel the world all the time i'm never in the same place for more than a month so you got to pick and choose you got to be like i need to be stronger any club swinging program will help you be stronger than most other people and then i'm going to ramp that up until i get back to the point where i can get back into my technique training yes properly. but so this is a perfect segue into some of the stuff that we've been working on over the last couple of days because there are certain positions that you are going to experience when you're doing jujitsu. Yeah. And a lot of them you can load, right? And now you can get strong and resilient in these positions. Let's start with the shin box. The shin box, it, you see this position all the time. I wrote an article about this, seekprogress.com. It is the position that the exact same position that you would use to come up in any type of like sit-up sweep. It is, it is the ashigarami position, except in ashigarami, you're on your back and which is a, this is a leg lock position where you're basically, you're attacking the legs with a configuration with your own legs. Yeah. And, but you're on your back and your feet are up and your legs are up in the air around your opponent's legs. That is the, the shin box position just elevated yeah. in the air. Take that, put that on the ground. It's the same exact position. So now we, you are teaching people how to develop mobility in this position, develop resilience, strength. And so just like you're saying, you can't get to the gym all the time. You can actually train those positions and get strong in them at home. So think about the, this is the thing I love about clubs combining with the position specific training. Think about your standing club stuff and your throwing patterns as general physical preparedness. Mm -hmm. Everybody should do it. Doesn't matter your sport, doesn't matter your age. Everybody should do it. It's gonna keep you alive and out of pain. And it's progressive and you can track the data. It's, it's perfect. And then sport specific preparedness. Now you start taking the moves of clubs and you start putting them into the specific position of your sport. Wrestling based arts, BJJ mm -hmm. being the most common one you find now. Yep are the second oldest sport in the world, right? Throwing things is probably the first oldest sport in the world, right? Hunt food and then compete with other members of your own species, it's wrestling. So these movements, shin box is in every culture that's ever had wrestling, hmm. every single one. And everybody has loaded it. Think of a shin box as if you go to the bottom of your rock bottom back squat and something goes wrong and one knee goes down to the ground and then the other knee goes down to the ground, mm -hmm. can you survive that position? Right. Can you survive that load? That is the key thing. So clubs do something unique when it comes to this position. By swinging a club in that position, you're actually 
adding load force vector onto it, taking it off and adding it again. Okay. You are doing a loaded position stretch with load in the exact position you need. When you go into something like BJJ or any version of wrestling, you end up in that position, people load you. They apply zero force on the joint to as much force as they can get on the joint. The way that you can start to train that in a controlled way, not just somebody jumping on you and snapping your hip or blowing your hip or your knee out. Yeah. It's to start with a leg club, a simple movement, add it over time, and you can adapt the joint to that specific pressure so that when somebody is trying to rip you in half for entertainment on a Tuesday night, <laughs> that you will survive it and not end up a cripple. Yes. So there's so much weird, crazy stuff about force and applying force in these positions yes. and then learning to do it. And then your general physical preparedness, your standing club stuff becomes your sport specific preparedness where we start adding the club into the movement patterns associated with the direct sport. Yeah. And then beyond that, there is the technique one, which is awesome and super fun. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, the shin box has changed my life. We were in Italy a couple of months ago and I got into a shin box and you were like, whoa, like <laughs> your hip is jacked. And I had been at that time battling back pain for months. And you were like, dude, you have a blaring compensation going on right there in that right hip. Like you need to figure that out. And essentially, so by watching your YouTube and like some of the videos that you've produced on the shin box, I learned from you that what's happening is the shin box is putting you into internal and external hip rotation, which if you do jujitsu is paramount. It is vital. All of jujitsu is hip, hips and grips, right? Hip, internal and external rotation. That means the ability of your femurs to rotate internally and externally in their sockets in your hips. And I just did not have that in my right hip. So essentially what was happening was that my femur was shoved up into the socket and had no place to move. And when you can't express internal external rotation, weird things are gonna happen. Your body's gonna try to protect itself. It's gonna constrict, it's gonna get tight. But then when someone goes and tries to put you into that position, which you just mentioned, the force is not going to distribute through your hips like it's supposed to. Something else works way too hard or and gets over or under stretched. Like and then you get back. pain. Yeah. Your, it's always your back. It's your back. And it's I've, your back or your knee. It's I've, above exactly, or below. Exactly. And I so I've had two knee surgeries and I've had uh, herniated discs in my lower back. And I firmly believe that those happened because I wasn't I just didn't have the mobility that I needed in my hip to dissipate that force on the the chains of muscles that where the force is supposed to go. Yeah. So that's why the shin box is not only a, you're not only getting performance out of it, you're getting corrective exercise, mobility, right? You're getting the stuff that you need for jujitsu to not only stay healthy, but also now when you can load it, and like you're saying, you can add a shield cast to it or a front press with a club, now you're getting really strong in those positions. Yeah. And that's just going to take your game to the next level. And the goal in that shin box is both of those hip bones touching the ground and then vertical spine and then changing the load by moving the club in different types of patterns. Then you can change the weight of the club. Then you can get even lower in it. You can get deeper and deeper and deeper. 
Like my bad shin box when I'm really tight is still better than 99% of the population, yeah. which is why I still am mostly pain free until I do something stupid like fall off an aerial rig or wreck a motorcycle. Yeah. But then I have to go back and find those things and figure out which one's not working every time and then rebuild it. Is there, let's talk about back pain for a little bit. Is there anything else that, I mean, to, for me now, the shin box is the assessment. Yeah. I can look in a mirror and say, all right, I can hold a vertical spine on this side. I can port and get all wonky on this side. I got some work to do over there. So you can use it also as an assessment. Is there any other thing that you see that can really like contribute to pain? When I think about back pain, I always look directly above and below. That means low back pain, you move up to the mid spine. Like how is the rib cage moving? The easy way to see how the rib cage moving is to look at how the shoulder moves. Mm -hmm. So you go above and you look at that. And then you also look below and that's hips. And that is windshield wipers, which you think of as a half a shin box. So it's isolating one leg, internal and external rotation. Mm -hmm. And then getting into shin box and then learning to get into rock bottom squats. This is also my problem with Olympic guys is that if your squat doesn't go down so far that you can get your tailbone to the ground and then touch your knee to the ground, if it's not loaded that way, that's, that's what I am looking for. Mm. So above and below the back pain, and then you simply restore natural human movement by a, a predictable series of exercises to those things. And that is based on shin box squat to shin box and then the throwing patterns of the shoulder, which is inside circle, outside circle, shield cast, which build to mill, which is cross pattern, and reverse mill, which is jab pattern. So by simply restoring the movement to the, what's above and what's below, the back can go back to doing what it's supposed to do. Right. So think about the joints in the body is alternating between stable and mobile. Yeah. So loose way to think about it. But if your hip is not mobile it is way too stable yes. it's not moving yes then the back is trying to move for it yes and it's not supposed to yes. the hip is supposed to be mobile and that is supposed to be then able to be stable so by messing with the stability mobility complex by sitting down too much or by getting hyper loaded in jujitsu and then still training your body will try to steal the movement from the next joint in line. Yeah. And when that one shuts down, it'll try to steal from the next joint in line. It's a simple way to say it, but it's, it's relatively true. Yeah. The term relative right there is an important term. So I've been taking this biomechanics course and just like you mentioned earlier that every bone in the body and every joint is rotational. There are no linear movements in your body. Right, so every joint action that you have is a twisting motion. Muscles are pulling on tendons that twist bones around a joint. And you need to have relative motion between joints. That means that joints need to be able to twist around each relative to each other. When they are unable to do that, what you get is called orientation the bones orient together and the whole unit moves as opposed to relative to each other. And when you have orientation as opposed to true relative motion, that's when you have 
poor movement, dysfunctional movement, you're going to develop compensations. That's when you're going to have pain. So what I like about what you teach is you are resolving that through movement, through your workout, which is like, to me, the best use of your time. Instead of doing a workout and therapy, yes. I'm trying to do it all at once because oh. I am, I have way too much shit to do. Right. So I'm trying to save as much time as possible and get the most benefit in the least amount of time. Correct. So let's talk about, um, we, you talked about the squat, the shin box. I think the Cossack squat is one of the best movements just for anyone in general. It'll cripple most people though. Cause that, that external hip rotation is brutal on people for yes. the most part. So it's like, it's, it's an advanced move, but for jujitsu, it has been my go-to movement my go-to warmup. It's one of those, it's one of those movements that you can use as a, an assessment. You can use as a, for mobility, as a warm up. you can load it and actually get strong in that position. And you see it all over the mat. If you're a whole, if you're playing spider guard, it's actually an inverted Cossack squat. Cause you have one, one leg in towards your chest. The other one is extended out against the guy's shoulder in his, in his sleeve, in his armpit or on his bicep. So. It just reveals itself all over the place. So it's like, you should be spending time on that because it's just like one of those like catch-alls where it's like, you're going to get so much benefit just from doing this one move. And most people are terrible at it because most people don't have a way to get good at it. So here's the funny thing about that movement. It's super hard to get good at without loading. Yes. The because you yeah. need a counterbalance to help the neurological load to tell the body where to fire. So by using a club, you can push the club out in front of you to counterbalance and allow your hip to get down so that your ankle can move to its full range, so your knee can move to its full range. And then as you move the club in or out from that position, your core is gonna change shape. It's going to fire differently to hold you into that position, but your core and your hip are connected in that position. And then, what did we come up? We came up with like 10 variations of it today. Club variations yes. that are like drive knees forward. That one was crazy and brutal. Lift it back up, load it, drop the hip all the way down. Yes. There's and a whole series of these things we can do forever. too, right? We yeah. came up with like a, a simple version that would be like a progressive system to like ease your way into it. And then there's an advance where it's like, all right, now you're really testing that position that you've like earned. And now we're going to build strength and resilience in that position. So th what this is, is a form of essentially loaded mobility, right? It's an evil sport specific version of loaded mobility. Yes. So we were talking about this yesterday. I feel like you could just do this stuff. Like You'd be in great shape. That's what martial arts were for thousands of years. They were just like, we just load the positions that we need to stay alive. And that's what we spend our time on. We spend our time on only staying alive. Yeah. And for some reason in the modern world, we've forgotten that the important sport in all of human history has been staying alive. And so we want to put all this other stuff in there. Yeah. And you're like, what if you just took it all out and just did the important part? Yeah, I'm like, like uh, obviously squatting, benching, deadlift, I still see value in that, right? But you also have to pick like, pick and choose what your time is going to be focused on. And we, we talk about how this stuff is sport specific, the shin box, the Cossack, right? These things are sh sport specific. 
what they're you when you do a martial art you are training to become an exceptional human being yeah i like to call it human specific training but people were taking issue with that because it meant that if you weren't trying to stay alive you weren't human or something i don't know people had a really weird interpretation of it so i was calling this human specific training because it was throwing patterns exactly. and all the stuff that only humans do there's exactly. no dolphins doing this Right? There's no, horses aren't doing this. Correct. Right? I can, the exact same running program that you run right for a triathlete is the exact same program that you write for an eventing equestrian horse. Yeah. Right? They're no different. The program's not different. These are the things that are human specific. Yes. Nobody else does them. Right. I mean, I, I had this idea, like, let's say you had a, a, a lion that you were going to train, right? And you need to get this lion to become an exceptional lion, okay? Are you going to have him doing squats? No. Are you going to have him doing bench? Yeah. No, you're going to have him doing lion shit. Yeah. Jumping around and fucking leaping and giving him obstacles to run over, right? And becoming better at being a lion. But what we do is we're like, no, actually, we're going to do benching and squatting to become better at being humans. And I feel like, that is just one P you get strong. You're it's strong one out human. of 10 things. It is just, so I, there are 10 things in benching and squatting. They're just lifting and carrying, mm. but they're not any of the other nine things that humans do, right? Walking, running, jumping, balancing, jumping over objects with the use of your hands. Fighting is its own whole category, but it's one whole category of human movement swimming climbing i'm missing a couple in here somewhere i'll come back i'll get them quadruped movement okay right i'm missing one i think but that's most of them but i think that we should do all of those and if we want to be truly human with it we should do them all into throwing patterns okay right but it's it's a hard program to write it's a i have a 10-year plan to write that program and i'm doing it kind of one section at a time but the equipment doesn't really exist for it. Mm. So I'm trying to like write the plan in a followable, trackable way and create the stuff to go with it. Yeah. Because I think it would be fun to do. I mean, it sounds very useful and functional if you're a human being and you want to get better at being a human being. There's a lot of people who like make equipment and things for doing human stuff, but I still think that they're missing the point. Yeah. Because they're trying to take out the inherently let's call it violent aspects of throwing things at a moving target. Yeah. Right. That's an inherently a hunting concept. And there's a lot of stuff that's made out there that's made to be less scary. So they like make it pink or, you know, they like, they put rubber grips on it. And just, well, just take all that stuff back yeah. out of it. Yeah. And just go back to the, the underlying thing, which is like jump up off the ground, throw a target, hit ground. Right. Jump up out of the grass, throw it at a bird, drop down before the lion sees you, you know? So that, that brings me to a point I want to make about, you just listed off all the things that a human wants to do. And I have an article dropping tomorrow on my newsletter. So it'll be out by the time this podcast goes out. And it's called the overlooked primary human movement, which is getting up. I talk about this all the time. All the time, right? That is, think about it. Our, when you were a baby, and you're, you're going through human development, you essentially learn the Turkish getup naturally. You also learn the shin box naturally. Yes. Look at any baby 
they walk, they lose their balance, they go to a full squat. range of motion squat. And when they lose it, they go into a shin box. Yes. And then they get up from a shin box. Yes. And it's only later in life after they put us in chairs in school that we lose the ability to do that movement. Let's just get that movement Let's back. Let's just get it back. Also, you think about, we always think, okay, the primary human movement, squat, push, pull, carry, lunge, right? But how do you get into those positions? We all, for hundreds of thousands of years, we slept on the ground. Yeah. We slept in little nests on the ground, little beds out of grass and stuff, right? Yeah. And still to this day, if you're a human, you sleep in a bed. Yeah. And you get up every day, right? We haven't lost that. But for some reason, we don't think of that as a primary human movement. And there are so many of those like corrective and like beneficial all those benefits for human beings just by going through a get up. Yeah. Right. So I argue that the get up is actually a primary human movement that should be like a foundation of your routine. I wrote a five level Turkish get up program. It's insane. But then I also wrote six body weight get ups programs and I made them specific to get ups from violence. Because I was like, this is the get up you do when somebody's trying to hit you in the head with a bat. Mm. And this is the most important one. And here's a breakdown. There's two versions of it, simple and complex. Mm. And then there's this like, getting up in one place without moving forward or back. And like getting up from chest on the ground. And like, I'm going to keep writing these programs. I don't care if anybody does them or not. I write them because I like them. But like the, one of the ones that's coming that we need to go over here and shoot is getting up into throwing patterns. Heck yeah. Right? Just for fun. Why not? It's yep. fun. No, yeah. write, write that program. So that one's on the list as well. I think only two of them are out. Four of them still have to be finished edited. I got to get another guy. I think there is, there's actually like psychological benefits to doing the get up too. Like oh, no. getting People... up against weight, like resisting weight. And if you think about jujitsu, you, when you are on your back, you are essentially resisting a weight that's on top of you. And I mean, one of the main goals is to get up on top. Yeah. So the get up translates so freaking well to, to jujitsu, but it's also, again, you're training to be a human. So yeah. it's like jujitsu is just an expression of being a really, really optimal human. And so these, these things, these concepts that we're talking about and your YouTube channel talks about this, it's for everybody. Yeah. It doesn't matter how old you are or what your sport is. There are still basic human things getting up. And I will write get up programs forever. And then getting over. This is something nobody talks about. Yeah. And I can't figure out why. And then getting on top. Huh. I had that written up on the board in the metal shop for like six months. These are the plans. So we had a little technical difficulty, but this is probably an appropriate time to wrap up anyway. Mark, tell us about just what the next couple of months look like for you and what we can expect. We are going to make a ton of programs in a very short period of time. I am building out this massive program library. I'm, I don't like six week programs. I like six week programs that sit inside of a 10 year plan. Uh. So I always, I heard this thing years ago, it takes 12 years to make an Olympic athlete. So my goal is to make a 12 year plan with a bunch of different branches per sport in order to do that. So I'm increasing my rate of production, but I wanna be able to start with training for overweight and deconditioned individuals, think people who have trouble 
standing up because they've been hurt so much. They have back pain, they have knee pain, they've gotten out of shape and they need to recondition to survive more programs. The second phase of that is coming out, intro to kettlebell, which you could start with a 6K, but you could run it up to 48K. It's basic drills for kettlebell training to make people capable of doing rack position so that they will survive a clean and press program. All these programs go in a big line, so I am working on all of that. It never ends. I just want to keep making programs and building out this idea for the next 10 years. That's my goal. We have programs me and you are going to make. We actually went through a ton of that plan, so we're going to figure out what needs to evolve with that. We wrote the programs. We did a rough edit. Now we need to do them yes. and figure out what part of it's totally insane. <laughs> definitely part of it's insane. Oh, yes. We just don't know which part of that program is insane yeah. yet. And then I'm going to get my 90-pound club and my 100-pound club, and I'm going to do shield casts, ride a motorcycle, do circus shit, ride a horse. Awesome, man. And then, of course, your YouTube channel is just a... Uh wealth of knowledge and information that anyone can go access. We have to be at a thousand videos on that thing now. Yeah, it's... But we we are planning all the videos for 2024. We were talking last night. Will gave me some great ideas on making my buckets of content more specific. We are laying out an entire free year of learning on five different topics. Yes. Which is how I like to do it. I wish that I had had access to good information when I was young. I was not rich. I was a poor farm kid in the middle of nowhere, had shit equipment, and nobody ever communicated to me the real shit. They always, people always tried to sell you some dumb shit. What if we just didn't do that? What if we just tried to give people the best information possible in the least amount of time, tell them what equipment's actually worth their time and money? Don't, no bullshit. I'm so sick of bullshit in the modern world. It killed yeah. me. I can't do it. And there's a lot of bullshit out there, man, so... I appreciate everything you do, putting out the good shit, not the bullshit, and uh, we got to do it again, man. This is uh, always a pleasure. All right. Thank you, Mark. That was a great conversation with a ton of practical information for the grappler or any human looking to enhance performance and longevity. Again, go to train.seekprogress.com slash club dash free for a free club training program for Mark. You can also get the full show notes at seekprogress.com and consider joining the Saturday Seek Progress newsletter where you'll gain a unique perspective on training for BJJ resilience and longevity. Thank you again for tuning in and we will see you on the next episode.